Hello and welcome to 20 Tim Minutes, a podcast that focuses on mental health in a serious but yet humorous way. Listen as I interview a wide variety of guests where we show our support as well as sharing our own personal struggles and stories with mental health. I am your host, Tim McCarthy, and now it's time to talk about it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're tuning into another episode of 2010 Minutes. I am your host, Tim McCarthy. Today, we have on writer, director, comedian, author, producer, and podcaster. He has written everything from soap operas to parenting books to comics to horror films. Mr. Chris Mancini, how the hell are you? Good. Thanks for having me, Tim. Thanks for coming on. I know we had a couple, couple. Uh, we had to change dates a little bit. You got a little sick. How you feeling? Oh, a lot better now. Yeah, I got over uh, the COVID and then I got a sinus infection. And now I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm done. Now, can I, I, I don't want anything else for a little while. Yeah, you got to be <laughs> back on track now. I'm glad yeah. you're feeling better, man. Mm-hmm. All right, let's start with this. What does mental health mean to you? Mental health means to me, um, I, I feel like there's the bad side, which is what's actually happening, depression and anxiety or anything else that you're going through. And then the positive side is the treatments getting through it and the uh, support that you get to help you on your journey. So I feel like it's, you know, it's a diagnosis and treatment. When I feel, when I hear mental health, I, I hear both. Yeah, it's, uh, I love this question because everyone has a different answer and every answer is pretty much right. And like everyone can have mental health and some people can have mental health issues, but some people, everyone gets depressed. You know what I mean? Like you obviously been depressed. Everyone's been depressed. Sure. It's everything. So I like that answer a lot, sir. So you produce three podcasts and make sure I got mm-hmm. these right. We have, mm-hmm. what are you watching? The quiet journeys of professor Atwood and conversations from the abyss. Can you yes. briefly explain the first two? And then I want to dive into conversations from the abyss. Absolutely. Uh, what are you watching is kind of like the spiritual successor to uh, comedy film nerds, which I did for a decade. Uh, and that ended in like 2019. Where, uh, what are you watching? I kind of branched it out from films to TV and interviewed comedians and other entertainment pros and find out kind of what they're watching. Because I feel like the insight of creators is really interesting to see like what they're watching. Like comedians often watch crime dramas and, you know, drama writers gravitate towards watching comedy specials. And basically the things that they're kind of creating are not necessarily the things that they're watching and they have different insights as they're watching them. And, you know, they can also be a little extra critical because <laughs> you're in the business, which is right. also fun and interesting too. So um, that's that show. And then The Quiet Journeys of Professor Atwood is a new one that I started. It's a kind of a hybrid storytelling, anti-anxiety, sleep aid, adventure, travel, science podcast. So it's about uh, a Professor Atwood who goes on all these different journeys throughout the world and sometimes through wormholes and through time and all of these different places that he goes. And it's like a throwback to like the 80s adventure stories that I grew up with and like Goonies and all these things of my, all my influences and Indiana Jones and things like that. But it's told in a real quiet, slow um kind of almost like an ethereal way to help you kind of tone down your anxiety to um, help you kind of drift off to sleep. It has a music, original music and sound effects in every episode. So you actually can go onto this journey with the professor. And one of the reasons I created it is because when you have mental health podcasts, it's a lot of like, all right, well, you need to get an insider. You have to follow these tools. And with therapy, it's always like tips and tools and things that you can use, which is great. But I was thinking, well, what if I created a podcast where you don't have to do any work? The podcast does all the work for you. All you got to do is turn it on and it'll help 
just relax. You don't have to engage with it. It doesn't care how you're breathing. It doesn't care if you're meditating or not. It will help you drift off, get out of your own head and drift off to sleep, or at least stop your you know thoughts from focusing on whatever is upsetting you or making you um, anxious or depressed and kind of like slowly just kind of change the way that your thoughts are are kind of um, obsessing and then go on the journey with the professor. So I wanted to try to make it for not only a sleep aid, but at, at worst, a 30 to 40 minute vacation for your brain. Right. And how long that been going on? That we started in uh, 2020, late 2020. So that one's slowly starting to grow as it's getting a little more um, uh, people listening and some great comments and people have been saying it's been really helping them, which is as a creator, it's like you want people to enjoy what you do, but if it helps them as well, then that's like, you know, the holy grail of like of what an artist uh, can do. So I've been very happy with um, the, the response and I'm glad that it's been helping people. So you know, now I just have to add like a couple more zeros to the listenership and we'll be good to go. Yeah, that's super easy. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. About it. It comes. Uh, to back up on the Goonies, who's your favorite Goonie? Um, oh, man. It's. <laughs> <laughs> Throw you right on the spot. Yeah, I was like, I'm thinking because it's been so long since I've seen it. I'm like, I don't know if I can remember the names. It's uh, one of the Corys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so you just say Corey and you're good. Yeah, yeah, you're you're covered. Any '80s movie, just a Corey. Yeah, oh, that was such the hip name in the '80s. There's so many, yeah. so many kids in the '90s just named Corey. <laughs> yeah. Um, now see, uh, let's do a dive into the conversations from the abyss. Can you explain that as well? Absolutely. That's a scripted podcast I started doing a, a couple of years ago, where it's a conversation between two living things. Possibly, it's like a Twilight Zone episode, uh, but it's short conversations between possibly. Um, uh, a woman who wants trying to sell her soul to the devil and the devil doesn't want it. People like in this weird house where when they go down into the basement, it's the past. But if they go towards the attic, it's kind of like the future, like all weird twisted stories. Then a guy f- ends up in a waiting room and he doesn't realize where he is or why he's there. Uh, so little creepy, weird stories. I called all my comedian friends to, uh, and I said, Hey, look, can you, you want to do like a weird, creepy story? Cause it's not funny at all. It's, I played it super straight and super weird. Right. And they're like, sure, absolutely. In fact, I did one with, um, David Huntsberger and Aisha Tyler about an app developer who, uh, um, d- d- creates an app with, uh, unusually strong capabilities. <laughs> and uh, uh, But what I wanted to do with that that show is, the thing about I always love about podcasting is it, you feel like you're listening to a conversation uh, between two people, like you're in the room, you're hanging out with these people, and that's the best thing about podcasting. And I thought, what if it was a conversation that you weren't meant to hear, like something really weird and off-putting and creepy? So I, I when I made Conversations from the Abyss, I kind of embrace the podcasting part of it where the, this is a conversation that, you know, you're overhearing. So there's no real radio play stuff in it. Like there's a little bit of sound effects, but I made sure there's no music, there's no mood stuff. There's, it's all feels like it's a real conversation that you've stumbled upon um, accidentally. And the interesting thing about anxiety, I've been, I've talked to uh, another podcast that are like, well, how does this help you with anxiety? And I realized that, uh, with anxiety, writing conversations in the abyss and created is like a catharsis because you get all these, you know, angry and just, you know, these, <laughs> these weird thoughts like out, whereas quiet journeys is the, you know, the calming part of it. So I feel like it's like two sides of anxiety. It's like, you know, the, the angry loud part and then the quiet, like 
um, cool down part. And I think the, both those podcasts are kind of like two different sides of uh, that coin. I think probably keeping yourself busy definitely helps you with your mental health because you For can't sure. think about anything else. Now, it's yeah. not easy juggling all these things. How do you even find the time? Like, how do you make time for yourself and your brain? Like, what does a down day look for, like for you? I feel like down day for you is like, yeah, I'll start another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and that's actually something, uh, to be perfectly honest, I struggle with because like, if I um, have a down day, I start to feel guilty and I got to let stuff like that. I have to start letting go like, well, I'm not, I'm not being productive. I'm not doing enough or like, all right, well, I didn't get enough done. And then that creates surprise more anxieties. Right. <laughs> so, but I, what I've been trying to do is manage that a little better and uh, take this ex- extra time. I'm like, all right, well, no, I'm going to take half a day on Fridays and I'm not going to do anything, or I'm going to spend more time with the kids during the summer because they're off or whatever I, I need to do. But uh, um, it's definitely still a struggle because, you know, especially working freelance and you've got all these different things. Sometimes things make money, sometimes they don't. You always got to kind of hustle, but you know, as you get older, you want to find more of a uh, a, a balance. And uh, honestly, I'm not quite there yet, but I'm working on it. <laughs> How was it with anxiety ju- juggling all that? Like, I feel like for me, if I was doing that, I have one podcast, and I'm always just mm-hmm. like overdoing it. I feel like, and I'm just like, is anyone really liking this? Like, how does it feel for you? <laughs> it, it's a lot. And it's also something that I, and this actually has um, less to do with anxiety and also with, uh, you know, being in entertainment where you always have like a bunch of different projects going and stuff in the fire. And, and, you know, that's always a trap that I've fallen into over the years where I've got too many things going on at once and I'm stretched too thin. And, you know, cause a lot of times when I work with, uh, uh, partners or, you know, you could kind of manage the work a little, a little bit, but this is the first uh, time that this company is just me. I don't have any partners. So I'm even more keenly aware of uh, <laughs> when I have to kind of manage and maybe pull back and, you know, maybe uh, slow things down a little bit. So it, it's a, it, it's definitely trying to find that sweet spot. Sometimes I find it I'm like, Oh, this is, this is exactly how, where I want to be. And other times I'm like, I didn't get these three things done and these other two things uh, are now behind. So it's, it's the same kind of thing. It's a mix. And it's, I don't think any artist has gotten it completely right. I'd be surprised if you had a guess like, Nope, I've managed it perfectly. So (laughs) everything's fine. I I got it all together. I don't even know why you're asking. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You you never hear that at all. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So you start white, white cat entertainment, which you started in 2020, which is the hub for all your work. You named it Mm -hmm. after your cat. Um, I'm a big cat guy. How did that cat impact your life? Uh, the cat's name was Avatar and she was a white cat. And by the way, named her way before the movie. I mean, sure, she, sure. Yeah. <laughs> she lived, she almost went to 21, which is a very long time for a cat yeah. to live. And, and she was a stray and she just showed up at our house one day and we'd never had a cat before. And, uh, my wife came back in and she's like, a possum just chased me up the stairs. I said, but that, doesn't make sense at all because she was going out to do the laundry and uh first of all if it was a possum i doubt it would chase you so i opened up the door and there was this tiny little white cat meowing and uh, i said that's not a possum (laughs) she's like yeah well i got scared i'm like all right i understand so um wouldn't leave and i'm like well what do we do i'm like all right well what's the one thing you do to make sure a cat never leaves you feed it so we had some tuna we gave it some tuna Came in like she owned the place, uh, about four months old, covering like fleas and motor oil, like a mm. super, you know, uh, lost stray. 
took her to the vet and uh, fell in love with her. And she was our companion for, like I said, up to 21 years. But the thing that was always about her is uh, she was kind of like my writing partner. Like I would go in and write in my office and she would come in, sit on the cat chair and just spend down her little cat house and spend the day with me as I was writing. So whenever I would go, she would kind of follow me, but that's where she would kind of sit. I'm like, all right, well, it's, it's work time. I'm going to come in the room and just, you know, spend the day with you. And I thought like, well, when I'm starting this new company, how can I kind of like, uh, you know, create a company that kind of says something about like what I want to do with storytelling and also kind of like honor like my old feline writing partner that, uh, you know, I, I feel like was kind of part of the inspiration for everything because she was such a, like a, almost like a mystical cat that just kind of showed up and became our companion was with us, you know, for a large part of our lives. I mean, 21 years is a large part of your life. So I thought that was the perfect name to kind of name the, uh, um, company after. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, I love the logo of it because it has that mm -hmm. vibe of like the old school Flintstones, Jetsons like yep. type of artwork. It's uh, I like mm -hmm. that a lot. Mm -hmm. You have the most conversations with animals, I feel like. That's like is your writing partner. It's like you could be like, is this <laughs> yeah. good? Is this bad? And yeah, cat's yeah. Looking at you like, mm -hmm. yeah, losing a pet isn't isn't a great feeling at all. Um, so I know that pain. Sorry for your loss. I'm not even joking. Like losing an animal is one of the hardest things to deal with. And like everyone has depression when that happens. There's no no way around it. Yeah, it, it, the hard, the longer you have the animal too, the harder it is for sure. 21 years. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. She just shows up. She's like, yep, this is, uh, yeah, this is yeah. my life now. Um, now you deal with your own mental health str uh, struggles. Like you said, what are some difficulties have you dealt with uh, and how do you overcome them? You know, it was one of the things that I really had a tough time with is like, I was on some medication and it wasn't working and I had some reactions to it. So I had to kind of get through the reactions and then figure out ways to manage anxiety without medication. And one of the things that you kind of have to do is basically a trial and error approach because everybody's um, mental health is different. Everybody's body is different. Even as you age, like I found one drug that worked like, you know, 15 years ago, then all of a sudden I was having a bad reaction to like, uh, you know, a year or two ago, because as our bodies change, our reactions can to medication can change too. So that was a tough time because I wasn't sure what was working. I, you know, I tried everything from journaling, which I hate doing as a writer. It's weird, but I actually hate journaling because <laughs> I'm like, I'm busy writing all these other things. I don't need yeah, to journal right. too. So I, I'm done. Um, and it, that time trying to figure out what worked and what didn't was very uh, difficult and frustrating because when you're in that heightened state of anxiety or even depression, you think, well, gosh, the, I can't take the medicine. None of this is working. How, how am I going to manage this in my life? And, you know, your brain lies to you and says, well, you can't. This is, this is your life now. It's always going to be miserable and tough and you're always going to be depressed or anxious and you know, as you know, you, the brain, it, it lies. And uh, so when I went through this process and tried a bunch of different things, I didn't give up. And turns out um, some of the classics work like exercising, like, you know, if I would wake up elevated at four or five in the morning, jump on the treadmill, it burned it in like 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. Or uh, chiropractic care helped a lot as it would release a lot of the um, tension on the uh, nervous system going love from a good like, crack. love a good, crack. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like from like, uh, sympathetic to parasympathetic nervous systems. I could actually, they could actually switch me over in the office. So sometimes I would go in super elevated, maybe shaking and then come out, not 
So it was really interesting how um, chiropractic care can be a tool for mental health too. Um, exercise, eating better, losing some weight, like uh, basically overall health improvements definitely help, but meditation and uh, a couple of other things. So, but there were a lot of things that didn't, like I said, journaling and, you know, meditation helped a little bit, but not as much as I wanted it to. So everyone's different, but I, I will say this, if anyone is discouraged, like I went through it, um, don't give up. There is a tool that will work for you. Uh, it just may be harder to find. Right. What was the, if you know, what was the first time that you were like, I, I have anxiety or is there one that you really stood out to you? Like, this is, I'm having some bad anxiety today. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, um, uh, when you never have mental health issues before and you start to have them, first of all, you don't know what they are. This the, like, like, why is my, you know, right hand shaking or why am I getting tremors or why am I, uh, obsessing over the same thought that's repeating in my mind for two to three days. And, right. uh, uh, you, you don't know what it is. So you just think, Oh, I'm tired or, uh, <laughs> or whatever. And, uh, but then when it doesn't go away, you know, you realize that, you know, there, there's something else going on. And then the, the next thing is to diagnose it. And then of course to treat it. But one of the things that got me the most is I was scared to have kids. And, uh, that was one thing that just, I, if I had low level anxiety before, it wasn't low level then <laughs> as uh, I had an impending, uh, my first child was about to be born. In fact, I was so nervous about it. I wrote a book about it. <laughs> What's the name of the book? Uh, it's Pacify Me, a handbook for the freaked out new dad. And uh, that is actually out. Then uh, Simon and Schuster uh, published it actually. So uh, I definitely struck a nerve and a chord with other dads, but it was, it was actually terrifying. And it, the book kind of goes through my, journey of like being anxious and scared and then going through the whole process and realizing what was I afraid of? And I actually love being a father and that whole kind of journey. But you know, that, that first part was super real. Like you really feel like your life is over and you're shaking and you just don't know what's going to happen. I always say, uh, you know, um, uh, see guys, we like an escape plan, you know, like if things don't work out, we would need to be able to run away. But when you have a kid, there's no escape plan. You know, they, you're always going to have a, uh, a kid. And I went through kind of like these silly kind of fears and all the things that guys kind of went through with it, you know, guys can relate to. In fact, um, a couple of readers that said, yeah, I kind of gave this to my wife because she didn't understand what I was going through. And it actually kind of helped her understand because the uh, women, you know, when they, when they're pregnant, when they're baby, they, they just look at us and go, would you just shut up? You yeah. just, you know, <laughs> uh, so this kind of like, uh, outlines, you know, what sometimes we're, we're going through as, uh, as new dads. Being a dad, I can only imagine. It's like, here's a baby. Uh, make sure it doesn't die. You're like, yeah. oh, okay. And yeah. It is tough too because I, mm -hmm. I definitely don't for the next fifty years. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, and I, for a guy too, must be tough because like most guys can't really take care of themselves. They're like, yeah, I'm, right. I'm making it yeah. by, and they're like, oh, now I have to take yeah. care of yeah. another human. Yeah, are they old enough so I can show them Star Wars movies? Yeah. No, that's that's going to be a while. You still yeah. have to change some diapers before then. <laughs> still put it on. They'll get used to the music. Yeah, right yeah. Click. <laughs> and it's sleep. tough for both sides too because the possible postpartum depression for women and then men are going through it too. So it's like, yes, you got to find that happy medium with, with both sides. And that, yep. that's going to be super difficult. Yeah. And it's also a matter of two of like seeing where your spouse needs support. And even if you're going through, you know, something similar, or if you both need support, it's that kind of wreck, you know, 
recognition that you both kind of need to see what you need or if you could support each other or how all those things. So I think the open dialogue is, is key and, uh, key and critical. Do you have a, an example that you would say, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a, um, what, how would you describe anxiety? Like, what would you, what would you compare it to? Okay. I've thought about this a lot and I feel like, um, it's like you're walking around inside a giant beehive and then halfway through you realize that the beehive is actually inside you. <laughs> I like that. I love a good analogy. That was the yeah. word I was looking for is analogy. Yeah. And that was a good one. I've heard a bunch of different ones. I've heard yeah. um, a flat tire. It'll still go around and round, but you have to like make sure that you take care of it. I think that was more mm-hmm. on the depression side, but still I like, right. I like good analogies like that. Um, mm-hmm. Now, what are some projects you've worked in the film industry? I'm very intrigued by that. Uh, one of the things we did a couple of years ago was the uh, Earbuds, the podcasting documentary. So we went all over the world, essentially. We went through around the country and then went to Australia and Japan to meet the podcast fans and interview other podcasters to find out what was it about podcasting that made such a personal connection between the host and the uh, listener. And the answers were incredible. Everything from like, you know, feel like you're talking to a friend to helping me through anxiety and depression and all of these things. So, you know, Mark Maron, Aisha Tyler, uh, Doug Benson, it's got a lot of comedians in it. The uh, Freakonomics guys are in it. Uh, stuff you should know. Like we interviewed, uh, welcome to Night Vale. We interview a ton of our podcasting uh, uh, colleagues and uh, it's a fun documentary. And it's, it's ultimately about too how, you know, we were kind of connecting with our fans and just the experience of going to uh, Australia and Japan to shoot a documentary was especially on a shoestring, a a Kickstarter shoestring was fantastic. So I wouldn't, you know, that's a memory I will always uh, cherish. So that's one film. And the other film was like a ridiculous story. It was a horror movie and uh, it was bought and then like ruined in, uh, it, uh, in Bulgaria. Like they threw the script away and it made it an absolute mess. And then they brought it back to me to fix. So it was so bad that I had to make it like a horror comedy and show like how a horror company kind of ruined it. So I made it like an office kind of thing with the footage that they shot in Bulgaria. And it's, and then they forgot to, um, rebranded it was called asylum it's actually out from Lionsgate, and uh, oh, um, no uh, uh but and it's one of those movies i thought well they're gonna bury it I'm like nope keeps showing up literally everywhere so uh they it was supposed to be rebranded as death of a horror movie because it ended up being a horror comedy but uh, uh they didn't they kept the name asylum so now a horror fan that rents it and watches it is furious because they don't know what they're watching but uh, one of uh, our fans watching it like listen to the podcast knew the story finds it like hilarious because it's so ridiculous so there's actually a movie out there that exists that has um myself dean Hagelin from the x-files um steven Rhea from the crying game and a bunch of bald bulgarian actors playing a swat team in an asylum uh that it, it does exist it shouldn't but uh it exists so you can check that out if you uh if you want to laugh now that you know what it is you, you can enjoy it Fantastic! What are some of your favorite horror movies? I'm I'm a big horror movie guy myself. Uh, Evil Dead Two is my one of my favorites. Uh, love the Evil Dead franchise, and I, one of the things I love about it is I don't think I've ever seen this happen before. Where you've got Evil Dead One, which is a straight on horror movie, super creepy. I just watched it again, actually. You know what? 
it holds up, man. Oh, I yeah. know there it, it's still super creepy. Evil Dead 2 is great, but then Evil Dead 3 is basically an action movie that they slapped an R rating on just because it had the name Evil Dead. Yeah. And the series is fantastic. And I, I like the type of horror movies where it's some imagination. I like a supernatural element to it. And I like kind of like the the fighting against the darkness element to it, like Ash versus Evil Dead. Like, I love, you know, things like that. Whereas slasher movies, I don't really like because I feel like they're they're just kind of weird, cold and like exploitative. But I like the the supernatural um, fight of like, 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 uh, uh, I also really enjoy the stuff that's grounded, like Paranormal Activity. I really enjoyed. I thought that was really well done. That first one was um, like mind blowing. It's like the yeah. first Saw at first. You're exactly. Like, this is yeah. Crazy. Now I will say Saw is like my exception of like a serial killer kind of thing because it's also kind of like a thriller mystery. I did like uh, you know that first movie too, but uh, you know it, it's. Uh, I guess you could kind of say Alien. The first Alien was a horror movie, but you know, sci-fi horror, which. I really enjoyed, but, uh, um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there and there's a lot of new, interesting things out there too. Like, um, the witch, that one was really interesting. And then, uh, the last horror movie that I really liked that I saw was last night in Soho, which I really liked. I heard Um, about that. Yeah. It's super long (laughs) and it's, it's a lot of drama and period stuff. But what I like is like these filmmakers are not afraid to kind of mix genres. Like, yeah, it's horror, but it's also, period it's thriller it's romance it's coming of age to kind of throw all these things kind of together and see what comes out sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but i thought last night in soho it it worked supernatural movies i'm with you on that because with at Mm -hmm. least with slashers you you can throw hands with them you might you're pretty much gonna lose nine times out of ten but the supernatural you gotta like you don't fight anything like you just like i gotta get out of this situation it's so hard that's why (laughs) evil dead's great because it it is like that but then they start throwing people that are possessed and you're like i'm gonna kill my best friend yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) out of all the titles you have writer director comedian author producer and podcaster what is i wouldn't say the easiest but what is the hardest one out of all those to keep up with you know, I think directing would be the hardest one because it requires so many moving parts, a certain level of funding and uh, a certain level of organization and partnership. So uh, and then when you're actually on set to putting it all together, it's a it's a very brief amount of time. That's a lot of like intense kind of figuring out, well, do we have the money for this? Can we put this together? And like even when I was like reshooting the asylum shots, it was all kind of in an office. But even then there was like budget constraints and well, like, you know, to get my buddy Dean Hagelin from the X-Files to come over, I had to give up my rental car, you know, for mm. to get to the, I'm like, well, really? You're going to make me give up my rental car just to, to have an actual actor in this part that I, I wanted to. So, but there, there's weird things like that you have to deal with. Whereas, you know, with writing, I could kind of do whatever I want. It's a blank page if I, if I want to, you know, have Professor Atwood go through time or into space, that's, I can do it. Uh, um comic books they're a little bit more but they're not at the level of a uh um a, a film or something like that where where so i think the the hardest thing of everything i do is probably directing and it's probably the thing i do the least be just because of all those things have to come together for it to actually happen um whereas the thing i enjoy the most and the thing i can do the most is probably the writing who and what is your inspiration behind all your titles uh, you know, that's a, uh, that's a good question. I think one of the things is when I was growing up, I had my nose in a book, 
the entire time. I think from when I was old enough to read and I would absorb everything genre, everything science fiction and fantasy. And, uh, but I would always also love to laugh. So I, so I would always mix up like comedy, science fiction, fantasy. And, uh, as I got older, I just kind of started mixing all of those kind of things together. But I read everything from like, uh, Robert E. Howard, the Conan stories to like, uh, Ray Bradbury. And I think, and then watching Monty Python and SCTV, I think all of those things just kind of mixed together in my brain. And then, uh, um, so and ultimately they culminated now in white cat entertainment, which is a storytelling company that focuses on like comedy and genre storytelling. So it's, you know, long gone far away is a comedic fantasy graphic novel and all of these things. Like I still have a bunch of horror projects. I have some horror comedies. I've got, you know, all of these different things going, but ultimately I think it was a mix of books, TVs and uh, movies, but all very specific to, um, fantasy, science fiction, and of course, adventure, and all of those just kind of, you know, larger than life stories. Like I never really gravitated towards like the, you know, the small indie dramas until I got like older, which I enjoyed them, but I don't, I, I wouldn't, I don't create them. So I think that's, that's more of what my, my influence was. I was going to do this question. I was going to have you do a marry, fuck, kill with your own podcast, but I'm going to do this one mm -hmm. instead. I'm going to do, what would mm -hmm. you rather, would you rather have somebody laugh from something that you said or did? have someone scared or move somebody emotionally? Well, if I could do all three, I would, I would put that in a bottle and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the triforce from Zelda. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think laugh would be the first thing because if I'm making someone laugh, it, it hit them in a relatable way and also elevated their joy in their life for like, a, even for just a, a brief moment. Who's, uh, who's some of your favorite directors? Some of my favorite directors are, um, uh, let's see, uh, you know, growing up, of course, was, was Spielberg, Lucas, and, uh, but I was also a, you know, sometimes I would start to look at some of like, you know, the weirder stuff, like, uh, um, like Terry Gilliam, like when he would start making like Adventures of Baron Munchausen and all of these kind of weird, twisted you know, he started obviously with the Monty Python movies, but then like things like Brazil and it got weirder and weirder. So I think um, those are probably my, my three biggest uh, inspirations. Random, random question. Have you seen the movie <laughs> Forbidden Zone? Yes, with the, uh, um, yeah, and it's insane with Hervé Her Her Villages. Yeah, Danny Elfman movie. <laughs> Danny Elfman movie, yeah, and Danny Elfman is in it as the devil. Yeah, so, that movie yeah. <laughs> ruined my head. That movie and Meet the Feebles have, like, those two yeah. movies have just ruined mm -hmm. me as a human being. Yeah. They live rent-free in my head. And I know you're a movie guy, so I had to ask you yeah. if you've seen Forbidden Zone. Absolutely. Well, Meet the Feebles is another great one, too. Like, I don't know anyone who was watching Meet the Feebles and going, you know what, this guy would be great for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, dude. How did that, that that's going to be the craziest <laughs> transition in movie history yeah. that guy <laughs> yeah so that's uh the, yeah that's insane and and that's one of the movies that you see to meet the feebles in like uh at a film festival like i saw it at a film festival at midnight with a bunch of like other fans and everyone's like it's like watching rocky horror picture show it's like that kind of like woo you're in like the secret club that actually knows this movie exists and then you're um you're horrified by it all over again <laughs> yeah how would you explain both of those movies to people that haven't seen it just fuck. wow I, <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I don't even think i could yeah no, you can't you absolutely can't you just have to see it yeah <laughs> oh my gosh okay let's end with this a little bit i'm gonna wrap up what are some motivational things i know you said like what you can do like meditation and all that stuff what are some 
things that you would give to somebody that deals with anxiety, mental health illnesses? Like, what would you say to them if you had a chance? One of the things is uh, there's definitely a mind-body connection. Like the whole thing of concentrating just on your mind or your body is um, only, you know, tackling half the problem. Like I would say like for anxiety too, exercise has helped me tremendously. Um, you know, I wasn't completely sedentary before, but specifically like doing more exercise and exercising when I'm elevated with an anxiety attack, when the last thing I wanted to do is exercise. It's like, no, can I just sit here and feel awful? And then you have to tell yourself, no, you're going to feel better if you get on the treadmill, if you go for that walk, or if you do, if you move your body around. And then that's, that's kind of like that fight again, where your brain says, no, we want to stay miserable and awful and feel this way. And I'm like, no, I don't want to No, I, so, um, I would say, exercise and also other things to like get out of your head. Like, uh, you know, I, I talk about my podcast. I actually do use it as well. Like I, I listen. In fact, sometimes when I'm editing it and listening to the, the tracks that uh, the composer and the sound designer is putting down, sometimes I'll fall asleep in the middle of the edit because if he, he hits like the right sweet spot, I'm like, well, now I got to rewind and listen to it again. But things that get you out of your head, like any kind of like things that give you joy or distraction and also physical movement are the two things that have worked the best for me. All right, let's have some fun here a little bit. If, uh, if your movie, if your movie, I mean, if your life was a movie, what actor would play you and who would you want directing it? Oh, wow. I think Terry Gilliam directing it. <laughs> <laughs> So I could have these weird fantasy sequences about what's going on in my yep. head. And um, I think maybe a young Steve Buscemi. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. I like it. That, he was a stud back in the day. Yeah, yeah. But he was just weird enough where you were like, yeah, he's got that cool kind of a vibe about him. Where uh, So I, I think that would be a good combination. That's great. Now, what would be the theme song of that movie? Think about what, what your personal theme song would be. What, what would be playing at the opening credits? You know, I really like that song um, uh, Clocks by uh, uh, Coldplay. And some of the lyrics there, just to someone with anxiety, just really kind of click like, uh, you know, confusion that never stops, closing walls and ticking clocks. You know, you cursed misopportunities. Like you wonder, am I the cure? Am I the disease? Like, you, like the way your brain just gets all jumbled and confused when you have anxiety. And I felt like, um, sometimes when I have anxiety, like I'll actually play that song and it'll just kind of take things down a notch too, because it, I feel like it's a, such a relatable thing. Music is so powerful for the, like the soul. I know it sounds corny, but it really no, it's is true. hundred percent. Like, you know, like quiet journeys of professor Atwood without the music would not be nearly as effective as right. it is for sure. Now let's end with this. What are three things that you're grateful for today, sir? Um, three things I'm grateful for. One would definitely be. Uh, my family, I have two kids and a, a wonderful wife who have been there for me every step of the way, super, super supportive. And um, I've been really grateful that I've been able to touch other people's lives every, from doing stand-up to writing to be able to do something that I love and have it uh, touch people and, you know, and make their lives a little bit better in a small way for a short amount of time. I mean, that's as much as I want to entertain people, if I could help people and make them feel better too at the, you know, then it's, uh, I really feel like even like with the book with, um, 
uh, pacify memes. Like, yeah, can I, I can make new dads laugh. Great. You know, cause it's a comedy book, but also if I could reassure them and, um, you know, help their anxiety too, could I do that at the same time? And then that, that's the kind of thing I'm also, uh, very grateful for. And the other grateful th- thing I'm grateful for is that, uh, you know, I've, <laughs> I've made it this far. So, <laughs> I feel like now, you know, every year that we get through without the world ending or blowing up, I think is like, okay, I'm I'm thankful and grateful. (laughs) Seriously, seriously. I know you've been, you've had such a great career already. Like I can't, I wish you nothing but the best moving forward, my friend. Thank you. Now, where can everybody find you on the internet? It's pretty, uh, I put everything at whitecatentertainment.com. So it's pretty simple. We are going through a, a website refresh. So if it's down for a couple of minutes, just check again tomorrow. It'll be there. But yeah. you could get uh, all the projects, the graphic novels. You could click through to the uh, podcast. They're on every player and, you know, the movies and everything else you could kind of find through there, even the Twitter feeds. And uh, like I'm at Chris J. Mancini and White Cat Stories, but you could find those on White Cat Entertainment too. Fantastic. Everyone go to whitecatentertainment.com. Chris Mancini, thank you for taking the time to chat with me, man. It's been real a lot of fun. This has been awesome. Thanks, Tim. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. If you are feeling suicidal, please dial 911.